Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. Just a couple follow-up comments. Bible school planning. Uh, I, it, it's uh, a real joy to, to see the efforts being made at, at uh, entering into that work again. Uh, as they were sharing this morning, I had to think back to a time when <clears throat> some of you older men here can tell me more about it, but I remember coming to Bible school when it was still in the old church. We had class outdoors that one year quite a bit. The weather was nice, and um, we were studying about Paul's missionary journeys. And, of course, I just grew up up here not far from here, and on the way home that evening, there was nice, pretty yellow windrows of straw that had been combined in the field there by the road, and children, listen up. As I was walking up the road, you know what happened? Just right, like 10 feet in front of me, out of that windrow came a mama skunk. And six little skunks, they just kept coming out of there. You couldn't see them, they were hidden in the straw. They marched across the road. So when I think of Bible school with Pike, I think of little skunks crossing the road. Needless to say, I yielded there right away. <laughs> the lesson this morning was a joy to be in. <clears throat> I um, <clears throat> would like to share a message this morning related to finding the path of peace, walking in the path of peace. But I'd like to just begin with just a brief picture from the scriptures that of that which allows us to experience peace through Christ Jesus. We observe in life the effect of the presence of peace. We observe in life the effect of the lack of peace in the world in which we live in our own lives. And I trust this morning that you are here with the desire to walk fully in the peace that Christ is afforded us through the work of Christ, the atoning work of Christ. Many times man goes through life a long way and sometimes never coming to a decision of being willing to pursue peace, to find peace. But in the Words of scripture from beginning to end, we see that, that contrast of the need of man and the result of Christ's work. In, in the Genesis account, chapter three there of the creation, following the creation, the first words we have recorded of Adam to God was an expression. What did Adam say to God?
The verse before says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And what did Adam say? I was afraid. I was afraid and I hid myself. <clears throat> we see the picture there of, of fear. The contrast of peace. The absence of peace through the fall of man. And yet in today's message I want us to acknowledge that contrast and to rejoice in the fact that in Christ <clears throat> it is not that way. He is the Prince of Peace. In Revelation chapter 1 we have John's the revelation to John there in verses 9 and forward as he saw that vision of the Son of Man And as he took that all in, it says in verse 17, And when, he, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. I was afraid, fear not. So the joy that's ours this morning in Christ Jesus is a, is a position of, of peace. It is one to which we are not to be stricken with that fear. Perfect love casts out fear, the scriptures tell us. And, um, and yet, in, as we observe the record of scripture proclaiming the glories of the Prince of Peace. How does it apply to my life and walk today? Am I walking in the path of peace? Do I truly know the Prince of Peace? What all is involved in that? There's a couple of hymns in, in our hymn books. The one I thought about was Peace, Perfect Peace that concept of the need for peace, that hymn has a lot of verses and it presents the first stanza of that hymn of each verse presents a question. Of a lack of peace, how to get beyond it. And the second part gives the answer. Peace, perfect peace. In this dark world of sin, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. You can go on down through that hymn, and each, each stanza raises a question and answers it. <clears throat> what is peace? Is it when I have everything under control? When peace like a river, another hymn, adjacent to that one in the hymns of the church was written by a man who experienced he expressed what it was to have peace but you know as you look at the time frame <clears throat> he lived in it lived through the uh, Civil War following the Civil War 
he had lost a, a young son, and then in the Chicago fire, he lost pretty much all of his business investments. And within a few years, his wife and family planned to go to Europe to visit people they knew there. And it ended up he couldn't go along. But that ship suffered a uh, catastrophic crash with another ship. Four of his daughters were killed. His wife sent the telegram, saved alone. It was out of that that he wrote these words. So what does it mean to follow the path of peace? Peace is not when everything goes our way. Peace is knowing the peacemaker. The one who has made peace. That we can be at one with him. <clears throat> peace is a state of harmony. It is a state of tranquility. It is this the absence of of hostility, the absence of anxiety. We like peace, don't we? We enjoy the, the sensation of being at peace. Recently I observed a young man who's come to the Lord and it's just a beautiful picture to see that young fellow. He is not alone in that, but the sense of being at peace with the world around him because of his understanding of the work of Christ and coming to him. The scriptures would indicate to us that not everyone enjoys peace. The wicked cannot enjoy peace. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, there is a sense in which the <clears throat> sins of the wicked also cause a separation from God. We see that in the Genesis account, the entrance of fear and the fall of man. Isaiah writes, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. That's a New King James verse. Those elements of not everyone enjoying peace <clears throat> are referred to, and I invite you to turn there if you care to, in Galatians chapter 5. A good exercise reminding us of the effect of fleshly pursuit and conduct, <clears throat> that sinful conduct destroys friendships and relationships. Galatians chapter 5, I'll begin in verse 19. And here we have just a, a brief summary of the works of the flesh. And think of, <clears throat> as we read these verses, think with me of the impact on the presence, the possibility of peace.
Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Let me begin. I misread verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, <clears throat> envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we face the challenges of daily life, and perhaps if we had those verses posted for uh, just a reminder for ourselves, our families, discussion, a lot of things that don't go as we hoped would probably could be pointed out that they fall in some of these categories. They extinguish the possibility of peace in that moment. And as you observe life in general, we can see the fallout from those works of the flesh <clears throat> bearing the stench of the fruit in society around us to completion. Sin prevents also the, pre the, the peace that can come to our minds when we can experience that. Turn to Isaiah chapter 57. Begin in verse 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose water cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. The absence of peace. Not knowing the tranquility of rest. So, as we think of peace, not everyone enjoys peace. And we think of this, the effect of sin in the life of the sinner, what the scripture has to say about it. There are other areas that I think that you and I, as, as children of God, as laboring in the kingdom, there are aspects in which we can as well um, uh, be careful and, and exercise carefulness. You know, in the account of the Gospels, there are some illustrations of Jesus referring to some that were not enjoying the peace that he thought they should. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. An illustration of where we can find ourselves if we have our focus, our mind set on a certain thing that seems well, but may not be that important, and yet we, we dig our heels in and we want it done that way and instead of backing off and 
going with the flow to a degree. I want to be careful how I say that because there is a place not to go with the flow. <clears throat> but there are times when we can be challenged in our experience of peace because of those kind of things. The disciples there were living examples recorded in, in the scriptures that they lost a sense of peace when they failed to simplify their priorities. Failed to think through what's really important. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, perhaps we'll turn there, Luke chapter 8, another account from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 14. Here in the parable of the sower it says and they which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection so Christ was warning us of that danger as well <clears throat> that there are things in life's path without proper priorities that can rob us of the fullness of the peace of Christ in our daily walk. <clears throat> Yesterday I went by a place of business to pick up some parts that were had come in for me. And uh, <clears throat> as I was there waiting, there was a, a lady there being waited on. There was only one fellow there doing the Saturday morning work. As he was preparing the repair equipment she was waiting on, um, I struck up a conversation with her because I had an interest in knowing more about her, Hispanic lady. And uh, we talked there for 10 or 15 minutes till her parts were ready. And it was just interesting how she started elaborating on, on the goals and things that were important to her. And she was referring to <clears throat> place and location of living. She was lamenting the cold winters here. <laughs> but she was interested in finding, wanting references for people that had real estate. She wanted to find a small place. And the other aspect that caught my attention was the importance of money to her. And in our discussion, I've, I've tried to gently help her to think about the fact that the abundance of money does not guarantee happiness, is not the source of happiness as such. And she agreed with that to a part to an extent, <clears throat> but it was an element, you could tell, that had a grip on her life. It was choking her with cares of her pursuits. Her goals for life 
versus seeking the path of peace through Christ. First Timothy six verse ten. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. One of the blessings of knowing the Prince of Peace is that it gives us significant insight into the value of things we have. Things we are stewards of, things we should long for, things that are, that are of importance. <clears throat> though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. The words of that hymn, I just referred back to one verse, but a reminder of one who was experienced things to an extent of putting it in words of what was most important in his life. Paul, the Apostle Paul, gave us some other illustrations of things that he dealt with, and I'll, I'll refer to just a couple of them. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> Verses 12 and 13. Now here we see uh, a sense of perhaps you could say maybe not fullness of peace, but in a little different format. In his labors in the gospel, he says here, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence to Macedonia. You can see that he, his spirit was involved in some questions and some considerations. Now turning over to chapter 7. follows up, he says, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted, comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. They were facing difficulties. They were facing things that weren't going ideally. And yet, in it all, there was um, Now I want to go to chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Paul makes some remarks regarding his labors in the 
life of the church there. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. He's reminding them, he is flesh and blood. He is there. He says, if I must needs, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forever, blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In his statement, he was acknowledging the realities, and yet he was acknowledging at the same time his confidence in God. His dependence on God in that. Now, two other illustrations. One is in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 25, where he writes, Yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants, for he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. There we see a mixture of expressions, of, of circumstances for which one could make some reasoned arguments on both sides. And yet he was committing it all into the hand of God. <clears throat> now, lastly, on this point of as diligent sons and daughters of God, of God. We ask in the pursuit of our finding peace and service in the book of Acts, chapter 20. Several verses here. I'll begin in. Um, in verse 35, here we have the account of Paul's departure. He says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. There is a sense of separation, and yet those concerns can be bathed in the comfort of knowing one is seeking to work the will of God, to do His will. Jesus came to bring peace. It's not only the peace that He offers, but He came to bring peace. And, um, 
intended to share this verse in the opening and I didn't fail to do that, but I was so blessed in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 verse 79 there in the references to the work, prophetic work of Christ. It says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. That phrase stood out to me as I was thinking about the theme of following the path of peace. Knowing the Prince of Peace. To guide our feet in the way of peace, into the way of peace. Am I pursuing that this morning? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus proclaimed it as well on his own part in, in the Gospel of John. He says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. The Greek word that is used there has that thought of being at one, being restored to a complete relationship. That thought of fear not, I am the first and the last. He says, you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The disciples won't take the time for it, but in, in Acts 10, there's a number of other verses there that they, they taught this proclamation of the peace of the Prince of Peace as well. I'd like to try to think in, in more practical terms the peace that Jesus offers. In the introduction, I gave a picture of the atoning work of Christ, the redemption of man, the possibility to be reconciled with God. That for sure is a foundational element of our understanding of what the peace of the Prince of Peace brings to us. <clears throat> In Romans 5, it talks about that. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have peace with God. When you look at situations where there is no peace, you can pretty much mark it down. There's something wrong with the relationship of God's creation with him as creator. There's something out of alignment, uh, willfully or ignorantly. There's something missing. So we have that element of peace with God. And as we have been taught through the scriptures and from the history of, of our Anabaptist forefathers that 
they made that correlation that our relationship with each other is a connection to our relationship with God. In Galatians chapter 3, I invite you there if you care to turn there. In verse 25. Paul writes, But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Um, the word that's used there for schoolmaster is a... Um, I'm trying to think the way it said it. Uh, a young boy teacher, basically, is the way it said it. <clears throat> For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I was just in the last day or two pondering relationships in the world, cultures, ethnicities. The path of peace that God sets forth for us offers the people of God a greater avenue of, of ability to assimilate, to be a part of any circumstance around the world than any other because of our posture. I shouldn't shout posture, are because of the form of, of the hand of God and his grace in the Christian's walk in life. In plenty and want, in adversity, in much, in difficulty, whatever the case may be. And here he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. But we find our, our peace through the Lord Jesus Christ and it takes down the barriers of looking at one another from where we're from, from our uh, <clears throat> ethnicity, the language we speak, um, the economic status level we find ourselves in. In Christ there is none of that to be a barrier. He breaks down the barriers between mankind. The Prince of, Prince of Peace, it is he that wants to work that work in our lives. As we have peace with God and peace with mankind, we find a sense in which, to our surprise, <clears throat> There is an element of peace. With ourselves. Paul says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That peace is on a foundation unequaled with the logic of the heart of flesh. 
peace. When we looked at the element of the works of the flesh, we saw a dark picture, and yet peace is a possibility as we pursue his will in our family relationships as well. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, I'll just read a couple of verses here. take the time to read all of them but you could review there in verse 7 kind of rehearses some of the areas of the works of the flesh but in verse 10 it says and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him there we see that entrance of the peace of God the grace of God coming in to the life of the believer where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. I won't cover every point I have here, but one more I'd like to look in 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 3. Verse 8 and following. Here we see what it's, what the steps of following the path of Jesus and this element, this subject of the path of peace. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and no good and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Here's a reminder that our relationship with God, the peace we have with God will be reflected and manifested in our uh, willingness to be at peace with each other as brothers and sisters and with those around us in an inoffensive way. Take heed when you find in any of us, if we take a stand that we are at peace with God and we stand in condemnation toward those around us, let's be careful. Jesus provides peace in those settings. I haven't talked about enemies as such. That's pretty simple. The surrender of our own will for his glory, for his purposes. 
Jesus gave us um, an example in Matthew 5. He says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That sounds good, but when it happens, how successful are we? When it happened to Jesus, this is what he said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Through the precept and the example, Jesus faithfully taught the proper response of being at peace. So as we think about this element of peace this morning, I would just ask you, are we experiencing the fullness of peace? Is there a way in which we can experience it more fully? Or if there is someone who has not accepted the provision of Christ and his atoning work, and has not experienced that. Have sinful and wicked practices prevented you from finding the peace that you are pursuing, that you would like to? Perhaps you could analyze how hard are you pursuing versus accomplishing it and laying aside the wickedness, the sinful activity. Misplaced priorities, we talked about that. Probably a place where the rubber meets the road, as we say. And then as we sort through our deepest desires in serving the Lord, may he give us wisdom in laying aside the anxieties that would come our way. Let us kneel to pray. Our Father, we thank you for opening up the pages of your word to show forth your desire to be at peace with each one of us. And you have reached out in mercy and love and extended the only means whereby we can come to know you. There is no other name under heaven, given under heaven, whereby we can be saved but the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you this day for that. We thank you for the peace that we find in walking. And we pray, Father, that you would strengthen us in our walk, in this pilgrimage here, that wherein we, we fail the grace of God, may you draw us to you and strengthen us and equip each heart that names the name of Christ. Thank you for the many blessings we take for granted in experiencing life and the experience of peace, of tranquility in so many ways, and yet make us more like thee, Father. We bless your name 
your work in our hearts to your glory and praise to the needs of each heart and home, parent, child, young person, for your glory we ask it all in Jesus' name.